the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. As the Advent season is now winding down to Christmas Day, we've taken two sessions to remind ourselves of two common Christmas-related terms that are spoken freely, yet may not be fully understood. Last time we took a closer look at the term Messiah, originally of Hebrew origin. So today, let's unpack the beauty and richness of our English word, Jesus. And these podcasts are posted at faithtalk1360.com. Just search the menu for local program podcasts. Well, today's session is called, Jesus, Who Do People Say He Is?, my title inspired by Matthew sixteen, thirteen through 16 where Jesus actually asks his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Friends, this first century question has become the question of the ages. Every generation since Jesus lived can ask this very question. For in each century down to our own 21st century, this question has remained relevant. And the beauty and richness of our English word Jesus has its origins in the Hebrew Scriptures, our Old Testament. Jesus. Have you noticed, friends, that the quote-unquote Christmas spirit is more easily talked about during this one season of the year? But what is not so easily talked about is the fact that this Christmas spirit, friends, is really Jesus. Several years ago, a Christian marketing slogan during Christmas time was, Jesus is the reason for the season. Perhaps some of you remember that slogan. Well, in my opinion, even that slogan is still somewhat limiting, isn't it? Jesus is the reason for living, and it just so happens that we've chosen and we have been permitted to celebrate his first coming into the world publicly and freely in America, at least for now anyway. When we even just say the name Jesus, and it's not meant as a curse, do we even realize just what we're saying? Our English word Jesus has a rich history and a deep meaning because its origin takes us all the way back to the original languages of Hebrew and Aramaic, two original languages of the Old Testament portion of our Bibles. 
Friends, just to get to our English form, Jesus, we need to peel back five layers of language. That's right, five layers. From our modern English rendition, Jesus, let's just go back one layer to 12th century early Middle English, and we have the form J-E-S-U, pronounced either Yesu or Jesu. In fact, even as far ahead as 1723, Johann Sebastian Bach composed his well-known hymn, calling it Yesu, Joy of Man's Desiring. Then from the early Middle English, let's go back another layer to the Latin, where we find the Latin variation, I-E-S-U-S, pronounced I-E-S-U-S. Okay, now let's go back another layer from the Latin, and we'll find ourselves smack in the middle of the Greco-Roman Empire. Friends, perhaps you've even heard of the term Koine Greek. The street language of the day, if you will. The common language of trade and business. The common language if you wanted to relate to or communicate with one another in that society and culture. Curiously enough, friends, keep in mind that the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures has at this point been around for about 200 years. Perhaps we even know the word Septuagint or seen the Latin numerical equivalent LXX in books or articles. The tradition that has been passed down to us is that 70 or 72 scholars translated the Hebrew scriptures, our Old Testament, into Greek. So the Greek word Septuagint, itself derived from the Latin word Septuaginta, turns out to be a reference to the translators themselves, the Septuaginta, which simply means 70. So now, the Greek variation of the Latin word, Iesus, becomes the Greek word Iesos, spelled I-E-S-O-U-S. Keep in mind, friends, that the Jewish people living in the Roman Empire realized the necessity of learning the Greek language. So now, let's peel back even the layer of Greek and go to the Aramaic original. But let's keep in mind that Aramaic and Hebrew are from the same language family. It's as if Aramaic became the local village or clan dialect in the Hebrew community. When we take a closer look at both the Aramaic shortened form, Yeshua, and the Hebrew unabbreviated form, Yahashua, we discover that this word literally means Yah saves, or Yah is salvation. Perhaps Yah may sound a little familiar to you. If it does, it's likely because it's part of our word, Hallelujah, which in Hebrew is actually two words, Hallelujah and Yah, Y-A-H. The Hebrew word hallelujah means bless or praise, and Yah is the shortened or abbreviated poetic form of Yahweh. Yahweh is God's personal and covenant name between him and the Israelites, or the Jewish people. So hallelujah means bless or praise the Lord. So the name Yeshua turns out to mean Yah saves, or Yah is salvation, as I previously mentioned. For our benefit, we understand this name to mean the Lord saves, or the Lord is salvation, referring, of course, to God himself. 
Now, friends, before we can even move on from here, we'll need a brief Hebrew history lesson. You see, we as modern-day westernized Gentile Christians have come to hear or see the word salvation as a spiritual concept. But the word salvation, friends, actually began as a non-spiritual term and idea. This is where our history lesson helps us tremendously. The Hebrew suffix shua in the name Yeshua carries with it the meanings of to save, rescue, deliver, even liberate. It was a military term. So in the Hebrew mind, the original primary idea was that God was Israel's deliverer in war. Therefore, we as New Testament Christians must put on our Old Testament sandals and think like a Hebrew. For the Israelites, the quintessential experience that forever burned into their minds that their God, Yahweh, was their deliverer, was the Red Sea encounter and crossing. This was the Exodus out of Egypt event, recorded in Exodus 14. You may even remember Exodus 14. It's where Pharaoh comes to his senses and remarks, What was I thinking? After he finally let the Israelites go. So he dispatches 600 troops and their best chariots, and he joins them in the pursuit of getting the Israelites back as slaves. Imagine for a moment, friend, what you might feel like stuck at the edge of the Red Sea and seeing the dust kicking up behind you, knowing that those Egyptians troops are in hot pursuit to get you back. And while you're biting your lips or fingernails or possibly peeing in your pants, you hear Moses being directed by the Lord to say to you, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see Yahweh's salvation that he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Yahweh will fight for you and you must be still. Then Yahweh again speaks to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. So let's remember, friends, that originally salvation was understood by the Israelites to mean being delivered, rescued, saved from their military enemies, securing victory over them. This term and concepts eventually evolved into including deliverance or rescue from natural catastrophes or disasters, emergencies, plagues, famines, even sicknesses. Only later did it acquire the deeper spiritual meaning of being delivered or rescued or liberated from sin, as the idea of deliverance became equated with spiritual salvation. But in Exodus 15, the chapter that stands out as the song of deliverance, sung by Moses and the Israelites after they crossed the Red Sea, we see the military motif still embedded in these great lyrics. Here's verses 1 through 3. I will sing to the Lord, Yahweh, for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. The Lord, Yahweh, is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This or he is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord, Yahweh, is a warrior. The Lord, Yahweh, is his name. Notice, friends, salvation language is still couched in the motif of being physically delivered, physically rescued, physically saved experiencing victory over physical experiences and challenges. 
But the beauty of all this, friends, is that by New Testament times, we see some Israelites who are now fully aware that Israel's deliverance is more importantly spiritual deliverance. Take Simeon, for instance. In the Gospel of Luke, we have Simeon's personal revelation documented. In Luke 2, 25-32, we find this account and proclamation. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now I've got to stop here for a moment. This is code language, friends. Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. This should send us back to the Hebrew prophet Isaiah's words in Isaiah chapter 40, which in the opening verses declares a future promise. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. And comfort here in the Hebrew also means to console. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. So Simeon was waiting for the consolation or comfort of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Translation, Simeon would not die before he saw Yahweh's Mashiach. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When Joseph and Mary brought the child Jesus in to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God, saying, Despot! Whoa! A Greek word that means total master, total lord, one who exercises unrestricted power and absolute domination. The NIV says, Sovereign Lord here. So, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant, Simeon, in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Friends, picture this. Simeon is holding in his arms the child Jesus and telling God he is holding in his arms God's salvation and that Jesus, God's salvation, has been prepared for all the nations to see and that Jesus, God's salvation, is to become a light of revelation to the Gentile world as well as to be the glory of his own people, Israel. Wow! Now, friends, we must realize here that Simeon's declaration comes after the angel's instruction to Joseph when he considered divorcing Mary. And the angel said to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, or Yeshua, because he, Jesus, will save his people from their sins. In other words, be their salvation. Friends, Jesus will deliver his people from their sins. He'll rescue his people from their sins. Jesus will liberate or give victory to his people from or over their sins. Did you catch that, friends? Jesus is the name given to Joseph and Mary's son because he will save or bring salvation to his people, the Israelites. Hope you find this as interesting and amazing as I do, friends, that an angel of the Lord decided the baby's name, and the angel decided on the name Jesus because the name Jesus, or Yeshua, means the Lord saves. 
So here we see that in the name Jesus, Yeshua, his life mission is defined. Jesus' mission will be to save people from their sins. Jesus' mission becomes bringing salvation to not just Jews, but Gentiles too, to everyone, the whole world. So here we clearly see that for Simeon and for Joseph and Mary, the angel wants to make it perfectly clear that in Jesus, deliverance for Israel incorporates being delivered or saved from sin, being rescued, being liberated, gaining victory over sin. Okay now, but how do the disciples and the apostles of Jesus carry this idea forward in their preaching and teaching ministries? Well, let's test the scriptures. And now I'm referring to our New Testament. Let's see what the New Testament declares. Remember that our premise will be that the revelation that Jesus' arrival on planet Earth would signal that he and he alone is the universal savior of the world. And by examining a cross-section of the New Testament writers' declarations, we will, in fact, discover that Jesus was and is God's salvation. And we will, in fact, learn that in their minds, Yah saves. Amen. In Acts 4.12, Peter makes an amazing statement. You recall that it was Peter who, in Acts 2, delivered the first post-resurrection sermon to all the Jews living in and Jews visiting Jerusalem from around the empire for the feast, and declaring that Jesus was the Messiah Savior the Jews were awaiting. In chapter 4, Peter rails on the unbelieving Jewish leaders and says to them, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Did you hear that, friends? Did you notice Peter's use of mankind? There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Peter didn't say there's no other name under heaven given to us Jews by which we must be saved. He said, given to mankind. The Greek word used here is anthropos, and it refers to humanity in general, as in mankind or humankind. Now, growing up, I remember my grandfather saying to my dad the expression megaloanthropos, whenever he wanted to let my dad know that a particular person thought he was important, a big deal, megaloanthropos meant big man. An older generation designation used to be man, signifying mankind. So Peter here has realized and recognized that Jesus is now the Messiah Savior for all mankind, and that Yah saves everyone. Then in Acts thirteen forty six through 49, Paul and Barnabas, on one occasion visiting a synagogue in Pisidian Antioch, comprised of both Jews and God-fearing Gentiles, said, We had to speak the word of God to you Jews first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth, quoting Isaiah 49, 6. 
In Titus 2.11 we read, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Again, anthropos, all mankind. In Revelation 7.9 we read, There before me was a great multitude, no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne. So, friends, the name Jesus, a name chock full of meaning and power, the name, the only name that brings salvation to human race. When you bring Jesus to someone, you are bringing salvation to them, deliverance, rescue, liberation, and victory over sin. So, friends, Jesus' name defines his mission. You know what's kind of cool, friends? The special name that the angel told Joseph to call his son, Jesus, Yeshua, in Matthew chapter 1, is followed by these words, because he will save his people from their sins. So built into Jesus' name is his mission, bringing salvation. Then Matthew himself adds that Jesus' birth fulfills Isaiah's prophecy in 7.14, that Jesus will be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. So built into the name Emmanuel is his nature. In other words, Jesus will be God. Friends, as Jesus followers, we must also adopt his mission. As 2022 is right around the corner, let's recommit ourselves to this mission of bringing salvation to those around us and protecting and guarding Jesus' reputation as being God in the flesh. Amen? Amen. Well, friends, we're nearing the end of today's program. Our broadcast will close with an email where you may write me. I truly appreciate those of you who write in and share your feedback on particular programs that have impacted you in some way. While the Christmas season has been affectionately called the season of joy, for some of us this last week of 2021, heading into 2022, may not be all joy. Perhaps this last year and a half has brought hardships, challenges, even tragedies. But Jesus is still the same yesterday, today, and forever, friends. Jesus is still the answer. Jesus still brings hope of eternal life. In Colossians 1.27 we read, Christ in you, the hope of glory. In 1 John 1, 3 and 4, we hear, Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make your joy complete. Perhaps for some of us, our joy is not complete. So let's allow this season to restore our joy. Let's let the celebration of the first coming of Jesus into the world be like the first shepherds who heard this message from the angel. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born, Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. And friends, I'd like to add an additional comment regarding Emmanuel, which I just brushed over earlier. This is a beautiful and meaningful name, originating from the prophet Isaiah. Perhaps you're familiar with some of the Old Testament title names of God, like El Shaddai, God Almighty, El Elyon, God Most High, even El Olam, meaning God Everlasting. Well, friends, it's interesting that the title name Emmanuel actually has El at the end, isn't it? It's not El Emanu, but rather Emmanuel. So we should read this as, with us is God. For those of you that like technical things, the Hebrew actually reads, with us the God. 
and the only English translation that comes anywhere close to this is not a popular translation. It's Young's literal translation. It has with us, he is God, and the word he is placed there for clarification. It's not in the original statement. So, friends, you might be saying, so what, Pastor Tom? What's the big deal here? I'm glad you asked. Here's the big deal. My take is that the word placement is important. The focus for us, friends, is the with us part, which comes first. God is with us in Jesus, in Emmanuel. With us is our God. Now, we see glimmers of God being with his people in our Old Testament. This phrase is sprinkled throughout, as in Genesis 39, Exodus 3, Joshua 1, and Psalm 23, to name a few. I propose, friends, that this two-word title, Emmanuel, is intended to emphasize the with us part of God, that he is truly with us. Even the New Testament writer of Hebrews reminds us God says, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, in Hebrews 13.5, quoting Deuteronomy 31.6. You see, friends, in Jesus, God came near. In Jesus, God is now with us. In Jesus, God came to dwell among us uniquely, and now by the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit now abides in us, per John fourteen seventeen. So, friends, be encouraged. Be confident that God is with you right here, right now. Don't let anyone take that away from you. Well, friends, please remember that the podcasts of A Word from the Word are freely accessible at faithtalk1360.com. Just search the menu for local program podcasts. Share these with family or friends, especially these two Christmas installments. And also keep in mind, friends, A Word from the Word is a listener-supported program. If it's blessing you, please join the support team, especially now during these challenging financial times. Your faithfulness and sacrificial and generous support help keep this program on the air. Just email me for the details. Well, thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with A Word from the word. Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good day. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.